1: Yeah. And and again, if you're going to have a bad game, now would be the time. Exactly. And if you're going to have a bad game and win, that'd be even better. If you're going to have a bad game and win and improve to become the number two seed in the NFC, that would be fantastic. Again, (laughs) it's all a valuable win for the 49ers. Uh, We were just pointing out a couple of things that we saw on the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy. Follow us on social at 415ers. I'm on social at EGiddings10. Mark is on social at Mark Randy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. Okay, I know we said we're going to get back to some of the offense outside of Brock Purdy. Uh, the real question is, do you want to start with Christian McCaffrey or Brandon IU? Because those are the two guys that jumped off of the screen today.
0: They were fantastic. I guess I'll start with Christian McCaffrey. I I don't know how you felt, Evan. I think I, I mentioned this on our last episode on Friday leading into this game. I was not expecting 25 touches from McCaffrey today. I don't think that was the game plan going I in. Uh, I, I think that Kyle Shanahan would have loved to give McCaffrey maybe only 15 touches max, maybe something like 12 touches. They get up by a couple of scores, and you can give some carries to Jordan Mason and... Tyrion Davis Price, who were both active for this game, by the way, um, and then you know you kind of go from there and you cruise to victory. That was not the case. You get down by ten at halftime. You need McCaffrey, and you 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 were not a, you would not have come close to winning this game without him. So first of all, I think unfortunate that the Niners needed him to be as good as he was to win this game. Uh, But he once again answered every single call. 25 total touches, 193 total yards, 121 of those on the ground. He averaged about six and a half a pop on the ground. He added six catches for 72 yards, had a 14-yard touchdown run on the ground, almost scored a couple of other touchdowns in this game. He seeded a goal-line carry, uh, or not a goal-line carry, but – a carry near the goal line to a red zone carry you're right to uh to mason who ended up scoring his first career touchdown he could have had another there he was tackled down to the one a couple of times he was phenomenal in this game uh the niners clearly needed every one of those 25 touches but something that we've we've talked about is maybe we start to see the 49ers playing against some of these Not great teams seed some touches away to to get them ready for the postseason. That was not the case uh, in this one. And I think if you were there was any doubt in your mind how much the Niners wanted to win this game, Evan, how much they want at least the two seed. Look no further than Christian McCaffrey's touches in this game, because if they didn't really care that much about winning this game, I guarantee you McCaffrey would not have had 25 touches in this game. They desperately wanted this game. They gave McCaffrey the ball, told everyone else to get the hell out of the way, and he helped them win the game.
1: Yeah, the the touch total will tell you Kyle Shanahan's level of interest in a certain yes. game when it comes to McCaffrey. I mean, I I counted 14 in the first half alone, and they trailed uh, for the first time in, in seven games. So that that was pretty wild to see, and I think kind of told you then, okay, we're going to have to use him more in, in the second half. I don't know if you read that story by by Matt Barrows last week, but – it looked like Christian McCaffrey might've had a whole PB and J sandwich at halftime. <laughs> I did. Uh, if, okay. All right. So yeah. you, you know what I'm talking about? Everyone else, Christian McCaffrey eats peanut butter and jelly at halftime, but he doesn't always eat the entire sandwich, depending on if the team has the ball, what his carry count is or isn't. Uh, I think he had the whole PB and J today. So, yeah.
0: He goes into halftime, the team down 10, he checks his phone, sees the Vikings are getting blown out. He's like, all right, whole PB <laughs> I gotta I gotta step up in the second half here
1: yeah well the other guy who stepped up in the second half was Brandon Ayuk because he's the other part of this and like I, I've said I think Brandon Ayuk's the, the number one wide receiver Debo Samuel I think is a it would be second on the depth chart when it comes to most important offensive players in the 49ers but Ayuk is the number one wideout, and we saw it today and we saw it on that final drive I mean Brock Purdy does not make the final drive to put the Niners in a position to win the game, which they eventually did in overtime without Brandon Ayuk creating a massive amount of separation again and again, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times on that last drive catches of 12 yards, 18 on back-to-back throws after and in completion, he goes back to Ayuk. Brock Purdy does, for 11 yards. Second time out there. And then I don't know if you want to talk about the, the questionable play call for Shanahan to call him. We're, to, we're just thinking of here in the studio, how are we going to put the ball on the ground run it? Well, no. Brock Purdy, in fact, play action, roll out. One thing you can't take is a sack, nearly does. Gets hit as he's throwing. Heaves the three flies up, prayer into the air, and it miraculously falls into the arms of Brandon Ayuk for an 11-yard catch. That sets up what would have been a game winning field goal. But Brandon Ayuk on that drive had sixty-two of his 101 yards on the day. And of course, he also caught a touchdown, which was, you know, a nice play for him. Um, he's up to, I think, what, eight touchdowns this season receiving. Uh, but he he has been a mainstay on offense, being able to get open when they need it. And on that final drive, to me, also proved that when you gotta have it, Brandon Ayuk's a guy that can get you there.
0: A hundred percent. I agree with you. He's becoming one of the best route runners in football and he can create space uh, when you're, you know, in a congested area near the line of scrimmage still Uh, a lot of his catches are what 10 to 15 yards down the field. Like he's not going to burn you deep down the field all that often. Now he does have pretty good speed, but he relies on his footwork, his route running ability, he runs some some epic, you know, stick routes, some some comeback routes where he's just leaving cornerbacks in the dust and safety to try to guard him. You almost feel sorry for him sometimes because Brandon Ayuk is, is so electric with his feet and his ability to change directions quickly and and to fake a little bit of body language, a shoulder turn one way and cut back the other way and, and, and get open. He is becoming phenomenal at that. And he's always had that. But Where I've seen the most improvement from Brandon Ayuk, and I I think that that play where Brock Purdy almost took a sack late in the fourth quarter, then almost threw an interception and ended up being a jump ball to Brandon Ayuk, it's also him being fearless and going up for a play like that where he knows there's a defender doing the same thing, going up for that ball, trying to lay him out, knock it away, knock it incomplete. He's fearless going up for that ball, um, and and you can finally – uh, sense. It's been this way for a lot of the season, but you think back to last year when he was quote unquote in the, the doghouse uh, for Kyle Shanahan for a lot of that year. You can really sense, one, how much he cares and wants to go out and, and help his teammates. Not saying he didn't want that last year at all, but you can really feel it. And on the flip side, how much his team is relying on him and how much they need him to go out and do that. And they desperately needed it in this game. Unfortunately, all those catches on that final drive of regulation didn't result in the game-winning field goal uh, oh. because Robbie Gold missed it. Uh, but don't let that miss forget about the fact that Brandon Ayuk was unstoppable on that drive. I mean, everything thrown at him, aside from that first play of that drive, which went incomplete over the middle of the field, everything else he caught. He, he was phenomenal in this game, specifically in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And all of that combined sets up a 37-34 overtime win for the 49ers. They make the plays on offense when they need to. They make the plays on defense when they have to. And they put themselves now in the number two chair in the NFC. Still a number one seed within reach. And this is where I want to finish the episode, Mark. We're going to go a little bit overtime here. It's a victory episode of the One Fivers, so we're going to give the people what they want, a little bit of extra content, and talking about the playoff scenario that is set up for Week 18. San Francisco wins. Philadelphia loses. The Niners get the one seed. They would not only get home field advantage, but they would get a bye, and it feels almost ridiculous that we're talking about this scenario considering the three and four start to this season but they have a potential to not only win 10 straight going into the playoffs but also fixate themselves on the one seed and win it It, regardless of whatever else happens of course assuming that Philly loses next week to the Giants now there's a lot of there's a lot of you know context there The Giants are locked into their spot in the postseason. They can't really advance their standing. So who's to say they'll even play Daniel Jones or Saquon Barkley. But then Philadelphia also, of course, needs the win because not only could they lose the one seed, but if they lose and the Cowboys win next week, well, then Philly could fall all the way down to the five. So you'd assume that Jalen Hurts is going to play, but how how healthy he's going to be. He hasn't played football in three weeks. There's a lot going on here, Mark. But, I mean, it's a big deal that the Niners could be Somehow, some way, even better than your prediction about them being a two seed at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, let's say they're the one. Do I still get to victory lap that next week? I don't Actually, know. I feel
1: like you should take a bigger victory lap because <laughs> you've been—I mean, you've been more optimistic about their their playoff uh, positioning than I have for sure over the course of
0: this year. Fair enough. I will say, kind of what you're laying out, Niner fans. I wouldn't get too attached to the hope of being the one seed. It would be incredible. Don't get me wrong. A buy. It's a guaranteed you're essentially already win a playoff game if you get the one seed. You're already in to the divisional round and you're guaranteed home games through the Super Bowl if you keep winning. It's huge. It is a gigantic advantage. However, what you said is correct. The Giants, who are the Eagles opponent in week 18, it's in Philadelphia, by the way, are already locked into the sixth seed. They have absolutely nothing to gain by winning. Doesn't mean they won't go out there and try to win. We don't really know what Brian Dable and his uh, his squad think is best. There's a lot of people who think you take time off like that and you might cost yourself next week. You might lose some of that edge that you've had throughout the season. Certainly possible, but all I'm saying is it's relatively unlikely. You get it. Take a quick look at at what Vegas thinks of this game: Niners and Eagles, both two touchdown favorites. Niners over the Cardinals, Eagles over the Giants. So you're gonna need. A relatively sizable upset, and then the Niners to avoid a sizable upset in order to win the one seed. However, Evans, what we've been talking about a lot, because we thought the one seed was relatively out of reach, now you feel incredibly disappointed if you're not the two seed. The only way you're not the two seed is if the Vikings win and you lose. That should not happen if you're the 49ers. And what does that mean? You guarantee yourselves two home games in the playoffs. If you win the first one and who knows, maybe someone pulls an upset of the, of the Eagles and you get to host the NFC championship game anyway, if you get that far. But what makes it even more interesting is now the Packers are probably the favorite to be the seven seed. And whoever is the two would get the Packers in the first round of the postseason. And I don't know how you feel about playing one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Aaron Rodgers. I know that team has looked pitiful at times this year, but I probably would want to avoid playing a great quarterback like Aaron Rodgers in the postseason on a year in which he feels like he's playing on house money. That might just be me. I don't know. But that two versus seven matchup could get really interesting if it is Niners Packers.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And and look, right now that's that's the last spot up for grabs. I mean, we're looking at Seattle right now, that's currently got it. But like you mentioned, Green Bay, Detroit. Uh, Of course, Green Bay is going to play Detroit. So one of those two teams will have a seat at the table. And Seattle, I believe, is hosting Los Angeles at the Rams next week. So you would assume that they'd be able to take care of business against Baker Mayfield. uh, But he's basically boomer bust Baker at this (laughs) point. I don't know which Baker is going to show up. So they could lose that game. Who knows? Uh, But it's all in front of them. The seven seeds up for grabs that will likely figure out who's who the Niners are going to play I do want to save a little bit of that analysis for the next episode Mark and uh tease it a bit on Wednesday we're going to be talking about which team could pose the biggest threat to the 49ers in the first round of the playoffs should of course they be the two seed um but before we wrap up Mark I I, I don't know we kind I feel like we kind of gave out some game balls throughout this this episode uh but if you had to pick one quickly like who who would be your guy
0: Christian McCaffrey no doubt for me. Uh he willed the team to victory. He was their offense in the first half. And the big plays that he had, uh, that, that screen play, the screen late in the fourth quarter, and that yeah. the drive the Niners took over with four minutes left in a tie game. Ultimately, they go down and score a touchdown. of course the Raiders went back and tied it up. Christian McCaffrey was incredible on that drive. Also, a quick shout out. Daniel they Brunskill. Scored too quickly. Oh, they did sorry. score too quickly. But quick shout out, Daniel Brunskill. Racing out from his left guard spot, by the way, in relief of Aaron Banks, and getting just a little bit of a shoulder push on a on a would be tackler to allow Christian McCaffrey to break three for that big gain. Uh, great play, Daniel Brunskill. That play does not happen if he doesn't hustle and and make that play. Uh, but McCaffrey was the heart of the Niners' offense in this game. He gets my game ball.
1: Gotcha. I I kind of laid out my case, but I think it's Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I. I think that offensively when they had to have it, we're talking about times when you need to, you know, you're in the trenches, you got to have guys you can rely on. I know it feels weird that Brock Purdy isn't a part of this, but it's because of the two guys that we're talking about. Like those were his two safety valves. And I think when they needed it on that last drive, uh, Brandon was, was that dude. I was do also want to mention, we, We didn't get into the injuries much, but the reports are Aaron Banks from Kyle Shanahan that it is a feared sprain MCL. They, of course, have experienced that earlier this year with Elijah Mitchell. That was a six to eight week injury, which would unfortunately probably put Banks out for the remainder of whatever the postseason run becomes. And then Drake Greenlaw is going to be tested on tomorrow for his back. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it is not too serious because we're both under the assumption that, you know, he'll be back and He's a big part of this defense. They really do need him. Um,
0: No, no, go go for it. I was just going to say, I I agree with you about Dre Greenlaw. I mean, the defense wasn't good in the first half when he was out there as well. But I did think you saw a pretty significant drop off from him to Aziz Alshire. Now, you're Alshire. You're not playing a ton of snaps lately. You got to come in kind of cold. I'm sure he would be better if he has a full week of preparation, knowing that he's playing. But there was a pretty big drop-off there, Evan. So the Dre Greenlaw injury is potentially a big one. Uh, you you got to hope if you're a Niner fan that he is okay. Maybe he misses Week 18. No big deal there. Be ready for the playoffs, Dre, because you're going to be needed then. But if it's anything that keeps him out for multiple weeks, uh, this could be a, a defense that looks a little different come the postseason. That's how important Dre Greenlaw is. Yeah, look,
1: he's he's been the second best player on the field at times this year behind Nick Bosa. I mean, that he that's has. how good he's been. So, yeah, speed of recovery, hopefully, to Drake Greenlaw. Uh, a couple of stats that caught my eye, just to to give people something on the way out. Mention the two straight or the five straight games with uh, two or more touchdowns by Brock Purdy, second to Justin Herbert when it comes to rookie quarterbacks. He has won his first four starts, technically, although you can count the five. That would be the longest streak to start a career since Ben Mm. Roethlisberger did it 13 straight times in the 2004 season. Uh, Jordan Mason gets his first career touchdown. Applause to him. I know he fell a yard short up in Seattle, so it feels like poetic justice that he gets a very important touchdown, by the way, uh, to put them up with about two minutes left in that game. Christian McCaffrey, fifth straight game with a touchdown for him. They are still undefeated when he is the starting running back for the 49ers, and I think that is all I got, Mark.
0: I have one stat for you. I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I did track it down exactly. Niners have improved to 2-33 and 33 under Kyle Shanahan, one trailing <laughs> by double digits in the second half. The only yeah. other time besides Week 17 in Vegas this year Week 18 last year in Los Angeles when they needed to win to get into the postseason. So 2 and 33 under Kyle Shanahan went down by 10 in the second
1: half. But they do it late in the year, so they peak at the right time. Yes, sir. Uh, oh, also, teams week directly after playing the 49ers. True. Improve or fall to, I should say. and <laughs> 14 with the Washington Commanders getting absolutely host by the Cleveland Browns. So uh, that's your stat wrap up. This has been (laughs) an elongated episode of the 415 Fivers podcast. But uh, Mark, I appreciate you hanging on for an extra 10 minutes or so.
0: Yes, sir. Of course. Looking forward to uh, Wednesday's episode already.
1: Yeah, we got some good stuff to get into. Playoff picture has come full circle heading into the last week of the NFL season. We got some juicy matchups to discuss. And, of course, we'll have a bigger AFC picture after the Monday night game between Buffalo and Cincinnati. We'll be sure to watch that. Should be a fun game between two of the hottest teams in football. But the hottest team in football, your San Francisco 49ers, have won. Now, nine in a row, they beat the Las Vegas Raiders 37-34 Thirty-seven to thirty-four in overtime. They are the two seed in the NFC with an outside shot at the one seed heading into the postseason. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but we'll keep you. We'll keep you locked in here on the 4 fivers Next episode coming Wednesday. We appreciate you tuning in. Download, rate, subscribe. It's all brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Emmy Giddings, Mark Grandy. We'll talk to you next time.